What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Friday, July 17th. We have made it to Friday. I'm going to do a mailbag segment today, but yesterday there was a inter-squad game, a televised inter-squad game. Three things to me worth reporting on. I'll start with the one that is probably the least newsworthy just because I've talked about this guy a ton already this week, but I just want to bring up one more thing about Riley Green that I hadn't brought up at all in the the previous couple days, and that's that outside of the insane athleticism, outside of the pop, this is a guy with an incredible ability to know the strike zone. Like, I watched his at-bats yesterday. He was one for three, had a sharp single to right field, but every single one of them, I saw him working the count. I think for a young hitter, that is extremely impressive, especially in something like spring training. You're going up against big league pitchers. You might have a tendency to try to swing out of your shoes, to try to hit the first thing that crosses the plate. This is a guy who just lets the game come to him, and I think that's an incredible step forward. I've talked about him enough. I'm not going to continue to gush about how great Riley Green looks. A couple guys I will gush over, though. CJ Crone with two home runs. He's ready for opening day. And look, I've been critical of Avila's signing so far, but I said when they signed Scope and Crone, I was like, you know what? These two are good players. They're not going to be MVP candidates, but they can hit. And CJ Crone is very much a professional hitter. I think he will probably be in line to be the best overall hitter for this baseball team in this shortened 60-game season in 2020. He's been very good pretty much everywhere he's gone. Lastly, but not leastly, I thought Spencer Turnbull looked the best I've ever seen him. Only four innings, but four perfect innings with six strikeouts. Everything was working for him. You know, I I listened back to my podcast a couple days ago where I talked about him. I think I overdid it in my adoration for him or my expectations for him. I do think he'll be very solid. I think he's a guy you can count on in this rotation going forward for the next several years. But the way I was talking about him, I think was a little bit too enthusiastic. I I don't think he's ever going to be a Cy Young candidate. But I think if there is a guy on this team right now a young guy who I see definitely taking another step forward in 2020, it would be Spencer Turnbull. He looked phenomenal yesterday. Uh, So that's my report on the inter-squad games. Now it's time for me to get to your questions. This first one comes from Rob Fontenot at Rob Fontenot on Twitter. Pick your NL Central and let's do AL Central champions as well. Thanks, bud. Well, thank you for sending that in, Rob. Rob's been a, a supporter of my content for a while, so I really appreciate that. Well, I'll start with the AL Central because it's the division the Tigers play in. I like the Minnesota Twins to repeat a lot. You know, I think this offseason was so long that a lot of people forgot how juicy it was for a while. And the Twins, God bless them, you know, I, I really appreciate an organization that doesn't have a ton of money to spend, but is very self-aware. And that's how I've always felt about the Minnesota Twins. They know when they have heat, and they know when they don't. And this was a team that won 101 games a season ago, yes, playing in a below-average division, but hit more home runs than any team in the history of Major League Baseball. If there's ever a time where you go out and you get some guys that can get you over the hump, now is the time to do it, and they did. The Donaldson signing was one of my favorite signings of the offseason. I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. They went out, they got Kenta Maeda, they got Rich Hill, they got Homer Bailey, they got Jake Odorizzi back. This is going to be a solid baseball team, man. I really do think that. And like I said a couple days ago, 
this division is better. The Indians are still going to be a tough team to beat. I know a lot of people are down on them with the Lindor trade rumors. This is still a very talented ball club with some great elite top of the line starting pitching. And I think the White Sox are going to be really scary. Is it their time to maybe get over the hump and to get into the playoffs? I don't know about that, but I've spoken their praises a bunch. I think that's going to be a team that's going to be competing for a World Series here in a few years. So it's a much better division. I'm going to go with the Twins going forward. You know, they are a team that we've seen have some great regular seasons really in the last 20 years. You know, they stumbled a little bit there in the 2010s, but for the most part, they've been pretty darn competitive, but we always see them get to the postseason. They usually get their teeth kicked in by the Yankees and are are victim of the Bronx Bombers, but in a 60-game sprint with the postseason, I feel like a small market team like the Twins could benefit. I'm really rooting for them a lot, and I think they will win the AL Central. In the NL Central, you know, in a 162-game season, if I was going to pick a team, I would say the Cardinals. I think that is a team year in and year out that is as well-suited for the 162 as any team in baseball, but... I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm really rooting for them. They're another team that saw a window of opportunity, and they've taken it. Even if they fall flat on their face, I root for any organization that goes for it like the Reds are doing. And we've talked about them quite a bit, you know, and talking about the Tigers and who they're going to go up against. Really good pitching staff. Sonny Gray, will he be able to repeat what he did a year ago? We'll see. Luis Castillo, I think, is going to end up being one of the best pitchers in baseball. Trevor Bauer, Wade Miley, that's a good lineup. Joey Votto still doing his thing, even though he's not what he used to be. You got Moustakis, you got Castellanos. Need I say more? Gosh darn it. That's a pretty good ball club. I have them winning the National League Central. Let's move on to the next question. This comes from Tyler B. Boyd at T. Boyd 1906. With the Astros lineup and schedule, very few top pitching staffs outside of LA and Texas, just how great will the 2020 offense be for Houston? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I have a lot of Houston people in my feed. I won't spend a ton of time on it. It'll be amazing. I I brought this up last week. A lot of people are, are like under this assumption that just because they lost Garrett Cole and just because they had a scandal in the offseason and lost their GM and their manager that this team is going to fall off the map, we're not going to feel the effects of the aftermath of that scandal for a few more years. And you look at that lineup top to bottom, it is still as good as any lineup in baseball. I think it is still, to me, the best lineup in baseball with Altuve, Springer, Bregman, Correa, Brantley. Take your pick. That's an unbelievable lineup. Jordan Alvarez. I I think they'll be just as good as any team in baseball. I think offensively they'll pick up where they left off a year ago, which is a team that's going to drive in a ton of runs, a team that's going to hit a bunch of homers, and a force to be reckoned with throughout the entire American League. Next question, this comes from Lawrence Bentley at Jeremiah48204. If you could go back and change one game in Tiger history, which one would it be? Minus 2013 ALCS Game 2. Uh, there's To me, there's no other choice. That's, that's the one I'm going with as well. I, I covered that game when talking about the top 25 games of the last decade. Uh, I've said it once, I'll say it again. You know, I've said it a million times already. I think if they get that out, they sweep the Red Sox. You know, I know it's revisionist history here because I know I know the Tigers struggled in two separate World Series in which they had long layoffs in between the ALCS and the World Series, but uh, I choose to believe that they would have not let that happen a third time. I think they would have beaten the Cardinals, and I think they would have won the World Series. That one will haunt me to my dying day, so that will do it for segment number one. When I get back, I will answer a few more of your questions, so stay tuned. And we're back answering some more of your questions here on a Mailbag Friday. This next one comes to us from Stephen Waite at Otterhair on Twitter. I don't know what the meaning is behind that. 
Why aren't Lou Whitaker and Mickey Lolich in the Hall of Fame? I'm going to work backwards here and start with Mickey Lolich. Look, Mickey Lolich, all-time great Tigers pitcher. I mean, had some unbelievable seasons. Three-time All-Star, uh, finished in the top five in Cy Young voting twice, finished in the top ten for MVP voting twice. World Series hero, World Series MVP in 1968, you know, Tigers all-time leader in strikeouts. Just absolutely an incredible career Mickey Lolich had. But when you look at the numbers, he was in the league for a long time. His prime, while dominant, was pretty short-lived. I know there's a lot of people who go back and forth with this. Some say, you know, in order to make the Hall of Fame, you need to have an a, a eight-year stretch in which you're one of the best players in the league or a 10-year stretch. To me, I would say, yeah, somewhere in between that, somewhere between six to 10 years, if you're one of the best pitchers in the league, that probably gets you in the Hall of Fame. Lolich was probably a top five to 10 pitcher for four years, maybe. He was really good for a long time. There's no denying that. You know, career war of 47.9. Very good career, but very good doesn't get you in the Hall of Fame. Great postseason pitcher, a guy you want on the mound in a big game. I mean, he was in a World Series with a 31-game winner in Denny McLean and maybe the most dominant pitcher maybe ever in Bob Gibson. I mean, just put up a monster season in 1968 and outpitched both of them. Legendary stuff, but Hall of Fame... Uh, I have a hard time. Then we have Lou Whitaker. Now, this one is very, very controversial. I understand why. I'll say this. I'm very happy Alan Trammell's in the Hall of Fame. I think he deserved it. I am happy Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame. I think he deserved it solely because he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. There's a lot of, like, random numbers that support Jack Morris being in the hall. But you look at some more important stuff like ERA and war, maybe doesn't quite fit that narrative, but he's in. I'm happy he's in. Here's how I look at it. If I was doing a Hall of Fame, would I put Lou Whitaker in it? Me? Absolutely not. I wouldn't. I think my Hall of Fame includes guys who led the league in a lot of categories, who got MVP votes consistently, who made all-star teams consistently, who competed for MVPs, who were good postseason hitters. That helps. And I know that's going to make a lot of people angry, but I'm going to win you back here because with that said, what I think doesn't matter. And the fact is there are players in the Hall of Fame who were of lesser caliber than Lou Whitaker. And I know the the one people always go to is the recent one with Harold Baines. You know, I'm willing to accept one outlier. But Bill Mazarowski is in the Hall of Fame because he hit a walk-off home run in Game 7 of the World Series. Like, you look at all the other numbers, not a Hall of Famer. Okay, there's several other guys who are of lesser caliber than Lou Whitaker who have made it in. And for that reason, I think Lou Whitaker should probably be in based on the current criteria. 75.1 career war is pretty darn impressive. Five-time All-Star, one four silver sluggers, and three gold gloves as well. An incredible double play combination, him and Alan Trammell for so long. Had a marvelous career, never led the league in any category except for games played, and that was in a a strike-shortened 1981 season. There's a lot that supports him being in the Hall, and for that reason, because I think there are lesser players in the Hall of Fame, he does deserve to get in. Last question, this comes from at AdamJ3. Family normally gets together for opening day. Hot dogs, burgers, popcorn. Always take the day off too. Question one, what's your normal opening day tradition? Question two, will you do it or something like it next week? All right, well, look, I I haven't had a lot of opening day traditions simply because, I mean, look, I'm 25 years old. 
a majority of the opening days in my life, I've been in school. I mean, I didn't have that freedom until I was like 19, 20. Now, recent memory, uh, I remember last year I got Buffalo Wild Wings on opening day and I had the day off work and it was, it was glorious. I think I'm probably going to be working an early shift on opening day this year, which will allow me to do whatever the hell I want after work. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to drink. I'm going to enjoy it. It's one of the most relaxing days of the year to me. I mean, it is like Christmas, but it's, it's like Christmas, except you're never disappointed with your gifts. It's truly a wonderful thing because every year, like I I talked about this uh, the other day when I talked about who should start opening day, it's the one day a year I allow myself to believe that the Detroit Tigers can be world champions. And even if they boof on opening day, which weirdly they've had a lot of success on opening day, even when they've been bad. I, I look forward to it so much. And even if they are bad, there's so many other games going on. And it's just, I don't know. It's like the, it is the sporting equivalent of the scent of a new car. It's just one of those things. You just let it waft over you and you enjoy it. To me, there is nothing better. I love opening day so much. And will I uh, carry on the tradition of, of indulging myself and stuffing my face with Buffalo Wild Wings? Uh, we'll see. It depends on how many walks I go on this week. I have been trying to lose weight. So that is going to do it for this week's worth of shows here on Locked on Tigers. Things are finally heating up, and I was listening back to podcasts from this week. I thought they were infinitely better than the previous couple weeks, man. It was it was really a struggle there when the only things I had to talk about were freaking labor negotiations. It was rough. I appreciate all the people who sent in questions for the show today. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2. Oh, one four. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. If you have any questions for the mailbag segment, you can send them to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. I did get a question on the Gmail account about Casey Mize, about service time. I addressed that on yesterday's show. I encouraged the person who sent that in to go back and listen to that. I, I kind of answered his question. I just don't want him to think I ignored it. I read everything loud and clear, and I appreciate you guys. And if you want to go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and go Tigers.